Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman presented by Riverwind Casino. The executive director of the Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy, joins us to talk about the OU guys in this year's Senior Bowl. We give you the latest OU football updates, and we finish up giving you our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, January 31st, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in February from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play and Riverwind's $80,000 River of Romance giveaway. Ooh, Nice. Drawings are every 30 minutes, and grand prize winners will be selected at 11.59. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. They want us doing simply the best instead of still the one now. Simply the best. Yeah, we're easy, we're flexible. And they are the best. Okay, so we're recording this early Sunday morning. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. And let's just lay it out there, Ted. I am going to the AFC championship game today. I did not anticipate me being in a, in a state (laughs) that it would be smart for me to jump on a microphone and record a podcast. And also you will be heading to Tulsa for a tool concert. So we basically were like, okay, we're going to record the podcast. We just can't do it. Sunday night like we normally do the the state of inebriation will be will be up there not not good to do any type of radio or anytime you're around a mic after uh after tonight there's no doubt about that it's gonna yes. be fun for yeah, both so of we're, us obviously since we're recording this before the AFC and NFC championship games 
We're not going to talk about those, but we will have plenty to say about those on the next episode. Once again, so much OU football stuff to talk about. They, it just keeps coming. It's like drinking out of a fire hose. Let's start, let's start with the staff because OU had a big recruiting weekend this weekend. They had their junior day, which is, is different than when you and I went through junior days. It's, it's a much smaller number of guys now. And there was a picture put out of kind of everyone that had a hand in getting the junior day and making it happen. And all the OU football coaches put it out there. They were retweeting it. And there's some interesting faces in what I would call the staff picture. And the first one I know noticed was Caleb Kelly, a guy that we have been doing some TV with. So I was like, Hey man, what, what's going on? Like you're leaving us. I thought, I thought you, I thought you were going to be, you know, TV guy with us. And he was like, well, I'm still going to do some of that stuff with y'all, but, and this will come out, I think Sunday. And by the time that people listen to this, people, it'll already be out there, but Caleb Kelly will be joining the OU football staff as the director of soul mission and player development. And soul stands for serving our uncommon legacy. What a title. I mean, what director of soul mission and player development. That's an incredible title for our man, Caleb Kelly. No, it is. I love it. He's, he's such an impressive young man. Uh, all the TV stuff that he's done recently has, has, you know, given me a chance to, you know, get to know him a little bit better. Um, he's, it's what happens whenever you've got, you know, seven degrees or whatever it is that he has now from OU. And I think he's close to having another one. Um, he, he's, he's had a bunch of options since he was done. And that's kind of the plan, right, is to, to get these guys uh, business, affairs, whatever you want to call it, in order to where football's not the only thing they have. And whenever they're done playing and they're not going to the NFL, that it's – you know, they're set up for some success right out of the gate. And Caleb Kelly's a great example of that. He had a ton of different options that he could pursue. And uh, I think it's big time that he's decided to hang around OU. Yeah. And not only does he have a ton of options now, but I think he's, he, he can be a great example for kids when it comes to just developing like your career goals. So what, what he is going to be essentially for the players on OU's roster is a resource for life skills and career development because Caleb Kelly was a five-star recruit, right? When you're a five-star, you're, they make you a five-star because they think you have the ability to be a first-round draft pick. Like That's how that works for those high school recruiting services. But he was a guy that had a ton of talent. The potential was there. He just had all the injuries. So not only has he made the most out of his OU career, you know, battling through those injuries, getting all of the degrees and, and maximizing that, but he's also one of those guys where you can point to him and say, hey, man, I, I know you think going to the NFL is like the plan, and it may be your only plan, but sometimes it doesn't work out that way. And I think that's extremely valuable to have a guy like that that can bring that perspective because you go back and you think of, what Caleb Kelly was as a true freshman. Like we were all like, okay, 
this guy, he's got the potential to be a really, really good player, be a high round draft pick. He, he was kind of a tweener position wise, but it was one of those things where w- once the injuries piled up, Caleb Kelly shifted his focus and was like, okay, I need to make, make the most out of my football career and set myself up for long-term success with a career. And that's exactly what he's done. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's interesting because, and, and he openly says this, when he came to OU, he was thinking three and done, play three seasons, be out, go to the NFL, and, you know, off you go, which, frankly, that's probably a lot of people's idea of whenever they go to college. And for pretty much everyone, except for, uh, you know, a, a couple of, of guys, your your plans are always changing, constantly changing. You know, whether it's injury or not be able to break through on the lineup. And it, it, some guys, it's just, you know, your, your, your peak is to be a really good college player. You could be a starter. You can um, be a, a multi-year starter even. And that can kind of be it. It's, you know, the NFL is, is very difficult. So just having these guys, it's, it's so much better for the program. And it's not like, OU hasn't done stuff like this before. They've tried to prepare their guys for for the, you know, the next level, whether that's, you know, real life or NFL, whatever that may be. It's just, it's, it's difficult. No matter how many times you tell guys that the NFL is not a guarantee and very difficult, everyone still has those as their ultimate goal and sometimes don't prepare for life without football. So, um, you know, just looking at the picture, and we'll get into more of the guys, but the staff is huge and growing. Huge and growing is a great way to describe it. Um, another familiar face that really stands out when you look at that picture, our guy, Curtis Lofton, another guy who's done some TV with us, uh, did some TV with us throughout the 2021 season. But, man, I, I think it's going to be – and there's nothing official – with Curtis yet, but I think it's going to be uh, some sort of player development role with Curtis. And you talk about a guy that can bring some value to a role like that. Uh, he's an Oklahoma guy. He was a fantastic college football player. He was a really, really good NFL player that had a long, productive career. And he's one of those guys. He, he went through some ups and downs. Right. I mean, uh, Curtis and I have talked about like he he went through some ups and downs with the coaching staff uh, with Schmitty. Like he he had some experiences that a lot of guys that come through this program are going to have that maybe aren't as fun as you anticipate when you think you're going to play college football. And one other thing that he had to do, he had to make a choice whether or not to leave for the draft early or to stay. He ultimately left early and was the second round pick. But He's one of those guys that as a player at the college level and the professional level, he, he had to make some tough choices. So I, I think he'd bring, he'd bring a ton of value to a player development role. And also, man, the guy knows ball. Like he knows it inside and out. He's got an extreme passion for the game. You just, you know, add a guy that led his NFL team and tackles for a couple of years. Like it just, oh yeah, we'll just throw that guy as a development, you know, a player development guy on the step. Like that's, it's awesome. Yeah, what's great is you you look at at guys like like Caleb Kelly and Curtis Lawson are like two opposite ends of the spectrum 
on both sides of things, right? One was a super highly recruited guy out of high school. The other, not as much from a smaller town in Oklahoma. Um, you know, Caleb had the the plans of playing three and being done. I don't know if that was Curtis's plan, but that's where he actually ended up living that. So it's like these two, you know, totally different paths that, you know, relate to different guys on a roster. So I think it's, I think it's perfect. Yeah. Okay. Uh, looking at the picture, anyone else stand out to you? Obviously some familiar faces from, from your playing days. There's a lot of people that stand out. Um, Caleb Kelly's a big dude and Joe John Finley standing next to him is like five inches taller than him. I think that stood out. That was funny. Nice reminder that Joe John's a massive human. <laughs> He's huge. Um, yeah, little Josh Norman in the picture. Little. Which was great to see him. Uh, not little, no. Uh, it's just great, dude. Josh Norman, fantastic player from uh, the early 2000s. He's going to be joining the, the staff as well. That's great. Did you see his title? No. It was floated out there on Twitter. The rundown. I saw it the first time in the rundown. Yeah, uh, Josh Norman, a lot of y'all remember him from his playing days, uh, wide receiver slash H-back slash running back. He did a little bit of everything, tight end, tight, certainly tight end size, right? He'd be a tight yep. end now, but it, on Twitter, it was said that he's going to be the director of former player relations and the director of mission community engagement. I love the sound of that mission, mission, community engagement. I mean, once again, that, that is what a hell of a title. And it, after asking a couple of questions to some people, it sounds like Josh Norman's role is going to be to help the players grow as all around people, right? A, a resource for the players. And we've talked about that really building this staff out with former players and, and with guys that have been through these experiences and, Josh Norman's another one of those guys, right? He's been through those experiences. He knows what it's like. And the players are going to feel just a certain level of comfortability with him. Uh, I mean, when, when you are, when you've got somewhere, someone that, you know, went through it too, uh, for whatever reason you, you can relate to him, you feel more comfortable with them. So that is an incredible title. So Director of former player relations, does that mean to do like we send all our requests to Josh Norman? Is that how that works? I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Oh, Josh. Uh, he's he's uh, former player relations. That could be a good thing. That can also be a tough thing. Everyone calling. He's going to get about 200 calls a week about sideline passes. I'm sure uh, he's going to get 200 calls a week talking about how they need to do something differently with the football team and why did they do this or that? Or it that could be a good one until it's a bad one, if you know what I mean. Josh is we're we're probably gonna be Josh's favorite people because we're all good. We got everything taken care of. Like, hey, we're working, we know where we're supposed to be, we know where our passes are, all those things. He's he's gonna love me and you. The the other guys, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> no, that's good though, man. Josh was an unbelievable player. Excellent special teams player. I mean, you nailed it. He was – the funny thing is, is like whenever he played, the quick, handing off the quick to the motion receiver wasn't really a very big thing yet. 
and OU was doing it, handing it to like a 235, 240 pound guy. It was awesome. That was pretty yeah. cool. Part of our running game back in the day. I remember watching him as a kid and just being like, that dude is massive. Like he is a, massive. We have a linebacker playing wide receiver. Yeah. A, a lot of this stuff's made a lot of these, these staff additions just make me nostalgic, like takes me back to watching it as a fan, which it, it is really cool. And I'm just, I, I am so fired up about this staff. And they're damn near uh, going to be able to actually play the team uh, in like a sometime type of, you know, they could put together a pretty good roster of what they've got there right now on staff. Yeah. It's pretty much an all big 12 team at this point. So <laughs> it is. We'll look at, uh, let's talk a little bit about the weekend, man. Big recruiting weekend for that staff junior day. And this, once again, you talk about going back. Did you have a junior day experience? Did you have one of those? I did. I had two junior day experiences that were actually pretty interesting. So this is, this is like, I hadn't hardly been recruited at all. Like I had gotten like a couple of like the random letters that kind of everyone starts to get. I think, who is it like? Army starts sending letters to everyone. Like your entire high school team gets letters from the same team, right? My, my first offer, like my first nibble, my first offer, University of Buffalo. Really? Yeah. Well, I, oh, yeah. that's, that's interesting. I, I hadn't had any offer or anything. I had just gotten like letters of people being interested, but I got invited to um, OSU's junior day and I got invited to OU's junior day. So Oklahoma State's junior day was first. My dad and I went. And really all it was was like a kind of a mingle and meet the coaches. And then you go to a basketball game. So we go and it's just me and my dad. We didn't really know what we were doing. Didn't really know anyone. Talked to one of the OSU coaches. And essentially the whole conversation was about how, yeah, most of these kids here won't ever play college football. It's just, you know, you just do it to get a bunch of guys in to, to the university and, you know, but we probably won't offer anyone out of this entire group. <laughs> My dad were like, all right, I guess we're skipping the basketball game. We're going to go home. So then like the next, I think it was the next weekend was OU's pro day or a uh, junior day. And we considered not even going, but we went and it couldn't have been different. And it's kind of interesting. It's really similar to where they are right now because this would this would be 99. They hadn't even coached the game yet. The new staff hadn't. They had just really got to get – this is like their first recruiting thing. And it was awesome because we walked in the door. We weren't there for 10 seconds before Kel Gundy ran up, said – uh, Teddy Lehman, I'm Kel Gundy. Nice to meet you. Come here. Let me introduce you to the linebacker coach. Walks us over, introduces us to knew where I was from, knew my name, took me right to the linebacker coach. It was awesome. We felt like we were rock stars. It was the greatest thing ever. Got to eat lunch with Benables that day. It was cool. Uh, so that makes one of us. That makes <laughs> one of us. So, and in hindsight, like, hey, I ended up going to OU. I ended up having what a lot of people would say was a really good career there. So I, I have, I've gotten over this kind of, I think, but so 
my junior day experience, that was when th- they would do one like during a game week. And I think it was, it was like Utah State. In the fall? Or, yeah, or something like that. And I, I checked in, right? And remember, I'm from down the street, right? Bishop McGinnis, not far from Norman at all. And I it, remember, it was, it was a bigger group of kids back then. Like, there were just this is as players. tight end, right? As a Re- tight end, yeah. correct. And I checked in. And that was the last time anyone talked to me. Wow. That was it. That was it. Think, no coach. Not like not even a like, hey, what's up? I remember walking out of there and my I was like, man, <laughs> definitely not going to OU. Like they don't even <laughs> they don't even know I exist. And I at that point, like l- literally on the way home, having the conversation with my parents being like, Well, Stanford or Notre Dame, probably, right? Like, this is did you so that's interesting. Were the coaches there? It was like 2007. So it was, that's why I, maybe I just got them on a bad day, but I remember them basically just talking to every kid except for me. And I think, uh. <laughs> I, I think I even talked to like someone from the OU daily about it. Like after the fact, like after I had, after I got my OU offer, cause I got my OU offer way later, like six months after every other offer came in. So yeah, the junior day. I remember. I remember walking out there and being like, "Man, I suck." They do not care that. Uh, and I was like, part of me was like, "Screw them," but also part of me was like, "Man, I need to play better because maybe they'll notice me then." Yeah. Uh, they may have also been. We're not really in the mix for a tight end right now. We got Jermaine Gresham. We're good. <laughs> they wanted me, at, and once once Kevin Wilson decided he he wanted to have me uh, as one of his tight ends, his, his recruiting pitch became very, very good, right? Where he would walk me through film and like point to Brody Eldridge and be like, this would be you. Like who, who was the tight end coach at that time? Kevin Wilson. He, okay. he was the offense coordinator and tight ends coach. So, but yeah, I, I won't lie. I left, I left OU's junior day and I, I didn't feel special. I didn't feel special, but the good thing is, from all of these reviews you're seeing on Twitter from these parents of these kids that went to this junior day this weekend, man, the reviews are, are glowing. None of these kids are having a junior day experience. Like I had in, it's really cool to see because I, I, I think a lot of schools are doing this type of stuff, but it does feel like with how, how professionalized college football feels now and with how focused it's become on like, Hey, we're going to get you, to be an early round NFL draft pick. Like it almost feels like BV's zigging a little bit while everyone else is zagging where he's just making it so important and like so clear to these parents and to these players like that. This is all about developing you as a person and BV just really connecting with the parents and the families and stressing the fact that he will develop their sons, not only as football players, but as men and to be good men and to be productive men that are the, the type of people you, you want to be. And I just think that this whole approach, man, it, it seems like he's earning parents' trust really quickly, and that's key. And the best thing about it is it's not an act, like because that, that's just him. But I, I think in the day and age, and I, and I know other schools are, are, are saying similar stuff, but, man, it just feels a lot different than it's felt the last couple of years with the way the recruiting approach they're taking. 
Yeah, and here's the thing for me that I think is interesting. Why promise something that it's impossible for you to deliver? Why promise, uh, you know, being able to get, get you to the NFL? You can't deliver that. That's something that you can't do. It can be injuries. It can be a million different reasons as to why you don't go to the NFL. So it doesn't make any sense to promise that. What you can do, no matter what, if a kid gets injured or just doesn't have the tools, doesn't have it, you can develop these kids uh, and prepare them for a successful life after football. That's a promise that you can deliver. So I think that's it's smart to make that the main mission. It, it really is. The, the draft thing is going to happen. Uh, it's going to happen for guys. It's, it's a select group of guys that, you know, you can get drafted from any school in the country. It's not just the big schools. It helps because of the exposure and obviously the resources and everything, but that's just going to come down to individual guys and whether or not they, they take it upon themselves to develop and, and they can handle everything. And obviously the coaching staff does play a big role in that, but man, I think, I think it's really smart to do it because the, the parents have a massive influence on, on where their kid's going to go. They can't make that decision for them, but whenever you can, if you can convince the parents first, that's a huge step. If you can win the parents uh, better than, than the, the competitive schools that you're going up against. So I, I like it. Yeah. And it, it sounds like that is, that's exactly what, ha what is happening. And, you know, a couple of our, our buddies that cover recruiting, like as a living, like, like our buddy, Josh McQuistion from Sooner Scoop the stuff he's putting out about the feedback he's getting from players and their parents. Like you said, it's just, it's just different. It's, it's a completely different reaction. So I, I'm not surprised, but it's just, it's exciting, man. I continue to get more and more excited about Brent Venables in, in this new era of OU football. Okay. A couple other OU notes, Jackson Dart going to Ole Miss. So it, it had been trending that way in the last you know week and a half or so. And while you always want to collect talent at every position, and it would have been awesome to have Jackson Dart in that quarterback room to compete with Dylan Gabriel, it it does make it kind of nice and easy and clean of who the leader of the team is going to be, whose offense it is going to be. And that's it, it's time to embrace Dylan Gabriel as QB one for the Oklahoma Sooners. And I, I do think it makes it it makes it easy from a leadership perspective. Like, hey, he's the guy. Here we go. And that is that is something that I, I think Kyler had a little of that. Certainly Baker had an abundance of that. But I, I do think it, it it does put Dylan Gabriel in a position uh th that kind of sets him up more for success, where like he knows he's got the reins of this thing and now he can really he can really embrace that role. Yeah. Uh you know, I think it's we always, the iron sharpens iron, the competition at, at different position groups makes everyone better. And I agree with that to a certain degree, but at some point, I think it's better to have, and especially quarterback, there comes a time where you want someone to be the guy, like to where the offense has a clear direction with where they're going. Cause a lot of times two different guys are going to have different skill sets. Like they're not always going to be good at the exact same things. 
So it makes it, I think, easier for an offensive coordinator to build around one guy. I think it makes it better for the offense to to know who the leader is going to be, who who to start kind of rallying behind, and for an entire football team to have that that one voice to where you don't have a split locker room, because that 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 happens. It's just it's just the the nature of things. It's not just how they play on the field. It's also relationships off the field that guys start to prefer a different guy over another. So if you don't have to necessarily have that that type of battle, I I don't think it's always a bad thing that you don't have, you know, competition at a position. I think in this case, with the new coordinator coming in, it's actually perfect to have a guy that's been in the system before and they can relate and they can just day one hit the ground running. We know who our guy is. Let's roll. Yeah, and I don't want to I don't want to downplay Nick Evers' talent, right? I mean, the guy is – the entire coaching staff is really excited that that kid is in early and that, that he is going to be, you know – and they all think he's going to be a really talented guy down the line. And he's he's got a ton of raw ability, but you, you would assume that, yeah, Dylan Gabriel is going to be the guy next season. And then uh, whenever Gabriel moves on, it's going to be Evers and then – after that, it's Jackson Arnold, like this guy that is now. Oh, and I was told, I was told that Jackson Arnold. You know, we were hoping you you get that QB in the twenty twenty three class. Like, and you're, you're hoping that guy becomes kind of the ringleader, starts recruiting other guys. Was told that that was uh, that that role was embraced by Jackson Arnold during the Junior Day weekend. Perfect. That's what you want. You know, you want your guys out there. Uh, you know, talking to other guys on the offense, let's go. Whenever we get there, we're all going to develop together. Uh, this is going to be awesome. Yeah, that I mean, that definitely helps. And I don't know about you, but for me, being able to meet and get to know some of the guys that I was going to be playing with, now, most of it was after we had all kind of um, committed or – uh, I guess signed where that we were going to OU getting to meet those guys and know them led to, I mean, that really formulated great relationships for like those guys that, that I knew before we came to OU. That's who I ended up being friends with to this day. Like those are my closest friends uh, that I know. And but you start building those relationships right away. And if you can do it even before the the signing day and all of that stuff is up. It just puts you puts you in a good position because you want to go play with guys that you know and like, right? Yeah, no doubt. Okay, one one good story. Uh, Gavin Freeman is he's an Oklahoma City kid. He he went, played at Heritage Hall, and you go look at his numbers. Kids kid was all kinds of productive for Heritage Hall, which is where Sterling Shepard went. For those of you that don't know, but he's he's a five nine white dude. And he was committed to Texas Tech, uh, had a scholarship to Texas Tech, and then Joey McGuire got the job and basically told him, hey, yeah, we'll honor your scholarship if you come, but how about you don't come? You know, kind of was was the messaging that that the Freemans were getting from the new Tech staff. And now he's coming to OU as a preferred walk-on. Like, Gail Gundy, went and said, Hey, come on, preferred walk on. You'll have a chance to earn a scholarship. And it's, I, I've got, uh, I've got some good buddies on the heritage hall staff. It's a kid that ran a four, four, two He can fly. 
He's explosive. And this was the part where I was like, hell yeah, bring him on. Said he's one of the hardest working kids they've ever coached. So I'm not going to be shocked here in a couple of years if Gavin Freeman's making some plays for OU and special teams or like as a slot receiver. Not going to be surprised one bit. I, I love that this this is the type of player, like this is what those preferred walk-on spots are for. Like guys that were, maybe they're a little undersized, but they were insanely productive in high school. And that's exactly what this kid is. He is, so I know his dad. Um, his dad played, is a gigantic dude, uh, by the way, a big tight end. Um, and he's from my neck of the woods, so I had known and heard about him growing up. Uh, and then he went to OU. So he he called me at one point and was talking about his son. And I was like, yeah, well, um, send me like whatever you got on him so I'll take a look at him and then maybe maybe talk to some people about him and he sent me his huddle film have you ever seen his highlights I've seen it because like one of my best friends is on the heritage hall staff I've sent it to every OU coach being like dude you need to convince <laughs> this kid to go to OU like you I need agree. to I watched that that huddle film and I was like oh my god like, it's unbelievable kick returns like just everything is is amazing. I'm I'm totally with you. I'm I'm kind of surprised that he didn't get a scholarship, honestly. Um, but I feel like he'll be he'll have one probably in the not too distant future. Yeah, and maybe maybe he did. I, I as far as I understood it, it was preferred walk on for now. But hey, you never know. It could be things change quickly when. Yep. From that perspective, but he yeah, is that an was absolute stud. He he got screwed by Texas Tech, and he's a he's a he's a good player, just small. It you you think of all places, Texas Tech would be like you know, small white guy, guy from like Heritage this. Hall. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, Wes Welker went to Heritage Hall. Yep, you think I, Tech would be like ah well, no, we want to keep on. Well, we'll we'll hold on to that guy. We'll we'll roll the dice on him. But nope, he's the suitor. Let's go. Dude, it's so funny how things work out because when Venables first came to OU, before they coached a game, they had the exact situation with a 5'9 dude from Heritage Hall and Texas Tech, right? Hadn't coached a game yet, and it was the same exact situation. And he ended up going to, to Texas Tech. and. In this case, they were able to keep him here. I think it's awesome. I think it's great. I think it's you, you, the person. This time it's going to be Texas Tech watching this player, in my opinion, saying, damn it. But lucky for them, it's not in there. It's not a kid from Lubbock like it would be here. Like we had to watch Wes Welker at, at Tech all the time, you know, and be like, what happened? Why didn't, why didn't he come to OU? They're not going to have that problem in Lubbock. Yeah, no. So I, yeah, I think uh, Gavin Freeman's going to going to have some people that are that are definitely rooting for him. All right, let's get to let's get to our interview with Jim Nagy. But got to do birthday shoutouts. A little go. light. I I I don't know if some people got scared off because we've been complaining <laughs> about it a little bit. I I we love you guys. I promise. Not complaining. We're just commenting on how how big of a. A batch of birthdays we're getting. Which last is a good episode, 
I went back and counted. Last episode had 20 birthday shout outs. <laughs> this one does not. All right. Happy eighth birthday to Bentley Tinsley. Happy birthday, Bentley. Happy ninth birthday to Riot Beller. Riot. Happy birthday. Riot R Y A double T. I like that. That's an that's awesome pretty, name. That's good. Happy 11th birthday to Quentin Deck. Happy birthday, Quentin. Happy birthday, Q. You're the man. Happy 19th birthday to Aubrey Bray. Happy birthday, Aubrey. You, funny story about Aubrey Bray. Uh, dad sent it in. Spelled the last name wrong. Brag. <laughs> Been there. I've signed an email, gave Eichard before. I've done it. <laughs> That's good. That's great. So uh, happy birthday, Aubrey. And happy 46th birthday to Lori and Billy Jack Lloyd. Happy birthday, Lori and Billy Jack. All right, let's talk to Jim Nagy. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite. Yes, I got some on the way to Kansas City. Java Amore. That coffee is absolutely fantastic. Loves has also, as you covered, if you forget your phone charger or headphones, they've expanded their mobile to go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from, from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Opolis Clothing has created a limited release of Oklahoma Breakdown merchandise. And yes, the shirts and hoodie are buttery soft. Go to opolisclothing.com. That's O-P-O-L-I-S clothing.com. Use our promo code TED, T-E-D. For 10% off your entire order, you still get a discount on all of the OU and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use our promo code TED, T-E-D, for 10% off, buttery soft, and 10% off. And we had gotten some feedback that maybe there were some, some people that needed a bigger size, and the Teddy Texas Sucks shirt is now available in 3XL. Let's go. Which Opolis pretty much does not do, but they made it happen for us. They they found some 3XLs. All right, all right, let's talk to the senior the senior bowl executive director, Jim Nagy. It is our pleasure to be joined by the executive director. Yeah, that's right, the executive director of the senior bowl, Jim Nagy. What's going on, man? How's it going, Gabe? Good to, good to be back on with you, man. It's, it's always fun to have this conversation with you each year, and there's a lot going on for you guys. You guys continue to kill it at the Senior Bowl. So we're actually we're recording this a couple weeks in advance before things really get rolling for you guys down in Mobile. I, I want to start here, 
Jim, you, you've been doing this for a long time. Uh, you've been in the NFL scouting world for a very long time. How much, how much have you dealt with Brent Venables? Because clearly a lot of people at Oklahoma and the fan base very excited that he's coming back to be the new head coach for Oklahoma. What, what's kind of Brent's reputation in your circles? Yeah, I've been, uh, been around Brent quite a long time going into Clemson. Um, that whole time he was with Dabo, uh, I'd go in there, you know, three, four times a year. And, uh, you know, Brent was a guy that I never got real close to on that staff. I had a lot of close guys on that staff. Brent is a guy, um, like from a scout's perspective, he's a little more, uh, he's so busy, I guess is the best way to say it. Like I went up to go to try to talk to Brent before and I've, and I've spoken to him on a number of occasions, but He's always on the go, man. You'll see, you'll see it in Norman. Like that dude has so much energy, kind of like what you see on the sidelines is, is kind of what I've seen in the, in the building behind the closed doors. But um, he's done such an incredible job um, at Clemson defensively and uh, getting those guys to play like a really aggressive attacking scheme. You look at all the NFL players they've put in the league. And I'll, I'll say this, like Clemson was putting defensive players in the league before Brent got there. But I think the difference now is that now you're seeing what they're doing at the next level. Um, you know, prior to him getting there, you had a lot of, of early round picks that, that weren't panning out. Um, and now you look across the league and there's guys just just balling out that, that Brent coach. So I think he he really got those Clemson defensive players prepared um, for the next level when you look at their success. And I think he's going to do the same thing in Norman. You, you look at another guy that a lot of people are excited about around here. That's Todd Bates, right? The defensive line coach from Clemson. Uh, Oklahoma was able to bring him on board as well. And of course, BV had a big influence with that, but what, what is, what's Bates's reputation? Because man, he's put out some players these last couple of years along that defensive line. Yeah. Coach Bates, uh, I go back with him at some of his, his earlier stops some of the small schools he was at um, before he got to Clemson. And again, they, I think that, all you got to look at like the Dexter Lawrence's and the Christian Wilkins's and what they're doing at the league right now. I mean, those are two of the, I think Christian Wilkins led the league this year in the NFL in, t- in tackles for a defensive lineman. Um, Dexter Lawrence is completely disruptive. Um, I think what you saw in both those guys is technique. Um, you saw effort, you know, he really coached effort there. You saw an uptick there on the, on the Clemson defensive line. Um, and, and that's, and they've had great defensive line coaches there for a long time, but, but uh, you know, there was no drop off certainly when, when Todd Pates got there. Um, so that's a, that's a big get, you know, I think that the, it's one thing to get the head coach and then it's another thing for the head coach to get, assemble his staff. That's really, that's really almost sometimes the more important part is the guys he can bring with him. And, uh, you know, bringing in a guy like Bates, I think was, uh, just indicative of, of, uh, you know, kind of the, what, what Venables had in terms of, cause that's a recruiting job too, kind of the cachet that Venables had when he had to go out and try to put a staff together. Yeah, and one more kind of about this new Oklahoma staff, and then we'll talk about some of the Sooners in the Senior Bowl. You've got Dontario Drummond from Ole Miss uh, in the Senior Bowl this year, so I know that means you've studied some of Jeff Levy's offense and what they were doing at Mo- Ole Miss. Levy's coming to OU to be the new offensive coordinator. What 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 have you seen from from his offensive system? What what do you think? What I guess, what do you like about it? Yeah. Um, first of all, I'm happy for Jeff. I, I've, I've known Jeff going back to his time at Baylor. Uh, Jeff was actually the pro pro scout liaison when he was at Baylor. So he was the point man. When you went into the school, he's the guy you met with in the morning. 
um, and one over all the players with. So I, th I think he's very well connected in the National Football League, has a lot of respect to the guys in the league. So that's, you know, that's good for recruiting. You know, he can use that. You know, he can get people on the phone. He's got a lot of contacts in the NFL. Um, so that's going to be that's going to be one good thing. But when you look at that offense and, and what they've been able to do the last couple of years, um, it's going to be wide open. He does a great job of scheming, scheming receivers open. I think when it comes to Don Terrio, who we're having in the game, we're talking about a guy that's, you know, 6'3", 6'4", 215-pound man, um, really good athlete, springy guy. Um, he's going to have to show down here he can really separate from man coverage and one-on-ones because in that offense, um, you know, they scheme those guys open so well um, that that's really probably the one question mark with Don Terrio because the scheme is so good. Jeff Levy's scheme is so, so good. All right, let's talk some of you guys, and let's – Let's start with the most important position, offensive line, of course, Jim. You've got Marquise Hayes participating in the Senior Bowl, and he he had a bit of an up-and-down year, but this guy, he's played so much football for Oklahoma. you, you got to love the physicality, but what are – I and I thought he played his best game of the season in the Alamo Bowl, actually, but yeah. what what can Marquise do to really help himself – this week in the senior bowl? I think with all these offensive linemen, when you look at the big guys on both sides of the ball, it's just compete during the week, you know, like they have, they have great tape from these, you know, major conference, especially the major conference guys, you know, you're talking about a big 12 player um, and, and a guy that's played a ton of ball, like you said, it's just coming down here and see how he handles himself, how he competes um, is going to be huge. I think for Marquise, I think everyone knows he can line up and, and move people off the ball. I mean, that's why gap scheme teams really like Marquise. I kind of bring him back to a couple of years ago. We had Damian Lewis from LSU in the game, came down here in a great week, just mauled people. Seattle took him in the third round that year, and he's, he's the day one starter for Seattle. I think that the teams that like Marquise were the same teams that like Damian, just talking to guys around the league. It's really kind of the same exact teams line up. Um, but you're right. You know, I think, I think Damian's a big guy. You're always looking for guys that can play square inside and not get turned and get their edges worked. He can do that. He's a big physical guy. Um, and, you know, we had Creed Humphrey in the game last year. So we, we watched Marquise last year. He was actually, I think he was eligible for us last year. I feel like we've evaluated Marquise for a couple of years now. Um, but he did. He made, he made a nice jump. A lot of guys, I, I feel like going back and, and, and kind of reviewing COVID last year, I feel like it affected the bigger guys more. Uh, we've seen, we saw a real, I think there was more big guys move up the board this year than, than the skill guys. And I think that was, a lot of that was COVID related. And even talking to some of the players, you know, now that we've invited them, you know, getting guys on the phone. And they said, I was like, man, your, your tape was so much better this year. They're like, yeah, man, last year was tough. Um, so, again, I think Marquise kind of falls into that category as a guy that really – I thought he made a nice jump this year. Yeah. No, uh, I'm with you. And I'm really excited for him to get the opportunity in Mobile uh, along the line of scrimmage on the other side of the ball, Perrion Winfrey. And this is a guy that – from my perspective, still raw from a technical perspective, all, all the twisting and movement that they use at Oklahoma kind of makes him a, a tough evaluation for me at the next level, Jim. But this guy does, he, he's got the twitch the NFL teams are looking for. So what, what's Perrion Winfrey got to do this week to help himself? Win one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, you nailed it. You, you, you hit it on the head. Um, but not just, and not only is he twitchy, but he's long. You know, so you got a combination of twitch and length. Um, those guys do not last long. They really don't. I mean, we've had guys in our game over the last three or four years that have been day two draft picks that aren't as talented as Perry on Winfrey that have gone in the third round, 
you know, when you watch the tape, I would take Perry on over some of those guys any day and they, and they still win the third round because they're long and twitched up. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, he, he, he's kind of a guy that's just scratching the surface. You know, you see even some of the movement stuff, he's, you know, inefficiencies with, with, with some of the stuff he does. If he can tighten that up, I mean, the sky's the limit. I mean, he's one of those guys you said raw, but to, in a scout's eye, like sometimes raw is a good selling point. You know, you go into a draft room and you've got a bunch of coaches in there and you're like, man, this dude's raw, but look what you can do with them. You know, it's kind of a selling point. If you coach him up, but uh, no, and again, they've done an awesome job on both sides of the ball um, there in the trenches at Oklahoma, at least over the last four years, I've been working at this game. We've had a number of those guys. I mean, they're good football players. They play hard. I mean, that's one thing, you know, getting Oklahoma players, they coach, they, they coach effort. Um, these guys run to the football on defense. They finish blocks on offense. Um, so that's why we, I feel good about bringing these guys because I know they're going to come down during practice week, uh, during the practice week and compete their butts off. Yeah, and the one thing I'll say about Perion, just you know, dealing with him the last couple of years with my role on the radio broadcast, that dude's got the perfect amount of crazy, man. He's got the perfect <laughs> amount of crazy you've, you you want for a defensive lineman, and it's going to be fun to watch him compete. You need down some there. of it, Gabe. Right? You got to have it, right? You got to have some. <laughs> can't can't be all choir boys, man. That's not how it works in, in can't the can't National Football League. Can't win with them. Can't win with all choir boys. Concussions are a part of football. They don't have to be a part of your pool party. Nip the slip with Soft Rocks Rubber Safety Surfacing. Spend more time enjoying your outdoor parties and less time worrying about a slip and fall in your pool deck. Soft Rock of OKC specializes in customized, slip-resistant decorative rubber surfacing for your pool decks, patios, walkways, and gym floors. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark at Soft Rock of OKC are ready to help you prevent that next slip. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit the drivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Softrock and the driveway company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. Make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. January 30th through February 5th is National Catholic Schools Week, and Bishop McGinnis wants you to know that they provide a level of educational and spiritual spiritual development that will set your children up for success in college, and in life, Bishop McGinnis has kept their kids safely in classrooms, knowing that it is vital for their learning. I give Bishop McGinnis a ton of credit for preparing me to manage academics and a social life all while playing football at Oklahoma. Uh, McGinnis got me prepared for that. You can visit bmchs.org for more information. And yes, financial aid is available. So uh, a guy that Accepted an invite a little later in the process, and I'm, I'm really happy he's getting the opportunity, is Isaiah Thomas. And this is a guy that worked his ass off to get on the field. It didn't happen quickly for him at Oklahoma, but these last couple seasons, he's really been the most consistent player on the defensive side for them, and he's done it all. Versatility uh, on the edge. They've kicked him inside when they've been in a bind with bodies at, at the interior defensive line. And I, I feel like he's one of those guys that 
can really show some people what he can do. He's he's got good tape, but I feel like the question for IT is just okay, what is what's his talent level? Like truly what is his talent level when he gets in this group with all of these these really good offensive linemen? So he's one of those guys, Jim, I feel like can really make some money. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, you look at the sack total, I, I, whatever it was, 15 sacks over the last few years. Um, I think he is a guy that can move around. I think teams that, that are going to buy into Isaiah, they're going to see some, some position flexibility to kind of move up and down the front and, uh, you know, create mismatches. I think Isaiah over a guard to me is very intriguing, what he could do with his length um, and his get off. So, uh, yeah, we were happy to add him. I'll say this, like, you know, when we reached out to invite him, um, I thought he was going to sign with a certain agent. Um, so I called this agent thinking that, that they were going to have the phone number for me and they didn't, they said, no, we lost out on him, but man, that is the best kid ever. They were, they're like, we're, they were so excited that we were inviting Isaiah, which sometimes you don't get that from an agent that, uh, you know, got left at the altar there at the, at the end of the process for the agent recruiting. But no, that to me, that says a lot. And then when I, when I did get Isaiah on the phone, it was really apparent. He is a cool kid, man. He is a, he said, sounds like a stud of a guy. Um, and again, I think the arrow's pointing up. He and Winfrey both, you know, kind of why they're, they're not identical players, but you watch both of them and you, you get excited about what they can be. Yeah, he, he has been a great representative of Oklahoma football. He's one of those kids, man, I'm, I'm rooting hard for him. I root hard for all the OU guys, but <laughs> just the, the way he's represented himself and the way that he's grinded, I – I really hope it goes well in Mobile for man. I, I really do, but uh, we'll see. It's going to be there's going to be a lot of competition. All right, a guy that man, you talk about flashes on tape. Brian Osamoa. He he's got the speed. He's got the athleticism. I I guess you're hoping that the instincts catch up to both of those. But when you talk about the modern linebacker running sideline to sideline, Jim. Brian, Brian Osmo is that guy. That's he's that guy. He's exactly what the league's uh, trending towards and looking for. Uh, you you said it. You know the ability to play in space and to be able to close on the football. Um, you know he's he, there. Everyone's looking for run and hit linebackers, and he's and he's that guy. Um, so again, I know some of the mistakes I've made in terms of like you know you might question you brought up instincts like sometimes processing stuff or whatever. Um, pass game concepts are are a little different in the NFL. I was a guy that, you know, I was questionable of, of Bobby Wagner's instincts a little bit, um, as were a lot of guys in the NFL when he was coming out of Utah State. And uh, you talk about being wrong. On, on <laughs> I mean, I liked I liked, okay. I liked Bobby the player, but, man, I didn't see him being – I mean, Bobby's going to go to the Hall of Fame someday right now. I mean, the guy goes to the uh, – he's an all-pro every year. Um, so I think, uh, you know, that'll, that'll, that'll work itself out. But you're looking for the baseline athlete and the speed. He obviously brings those um, – you need guys that can match up in coverage. You don't want to have to take linebackers off the field. I mean, we're not – the league is very, you know, less and less um, specialized when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. You want to line up with your guys and keep them on the field. I mean, there's – you know, we're getting away from base defense and sub-defense. We're just you – want, you want your guys out there. So whatever the offense is doing, trying to dictate, your guys are on the field. And, and Brian's going to be one of those uh, matchup linebackers that, that will be attractive to a lot of teams. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, and then uh, the last guy that's going to be playing in the Senior Bowl, he is he is an absolute fan favorite. We, we, we call him the Bullfrog, Jim, and that is Jeremiah Hall. H-back, extraordinary Swiss Army knife. I, How are you guys going to use him this week? Like, what do, what do NFL teams want to see from him? Everything. Yeah, everything. That's cool. You call him the Bullfrog. I'm going to have to call him that when he shows up to town. Oh, do it. He'll it, it, uh, be – He'll look at you like, oh, you got some inside information now. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, Jeremiah, we've got two really good fullbacks coming down. Uh, he and, and Connor Hayward, Cam Hayward from the Steelers, little brother, uh, Ironhead's son. So uh, those two from Michigan State. So two good ones. I mean, there's been um, over the last three years of, of, of my time at the game, I think this is the first year that we've brought two true fullbacks. We've usually, um, you know, filled one of those spots with more of an undersized H-back type tight end. Uh, like Josiah DeGuaro, that's the third on pick of the Packers a couple of years ago, or Trayvon Wesco from West Virginia, who's the starting fullback for the Jets now. Um, but these two guys are true fullbacks. And, uh, you know, they, they both are really good in the pass game, both of them. Um, you can leak them out. You can have them run the seam. They, they do a really nice job adjusting the football. Um, they can block enough. I think both of them can carry the ball. They've got some, they've got some versatility as runners. Um, which is really cool. You know, Connor Hayward actually was a running back when he got to Michigan State, uh, true running back, and, and they both can play on special teams. You know, that's the hard part. The old classic hammerhead fullback is, is a dying breed in the NFL uh, because just even teams I've worked on, like you fall in love with those guys at the school. They're, they're just knocking the crap out of people and, and you, love, you fall in love with their physicality. But then it comes down to, okay, you get them on your team. What do they do on fourth down? What do they do in the kicking game? You know, are they, are they too stiff to break down and make tackles in space? And usually most of them are. You know, these guys are going to have to play on special teams, and they're both more than athletic enough to do that. Okay, this is – I feel like this is something a lot of people are starting to get used to, but some people see guys opt out of the bowl games in, in Oklahoma – had four of them on the defensive side uh, when you group Nick Benito into into that group and the other three guys on defense that are playing in Mobile. I, I think some fans see it and they're like, "Oh, the NFL they 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 can't like that." What well, what's the reaction for for you guys for the NFL community, the people you talk to when when guys do opt out now? Because I, I'm starting to feel like it doesn't matter at all. Yeah, it, no, it, it's changed a lot. I'll just bring it back to uh, however many years ago that was. Time's flying by right now. But when Christian McCaffrey did it, he was the first guy to do it. And uh, I was working for the Seahawks at the time. And if you could have seen the reaction in our draft room when we started talking about Christian McCaffrey, we were lighting him up, man. Like, who does this guy? Who does this guy think he is? He's turning his back on his teammates. You know, it's Ed McCaffrey's son, for God's sakes. Like. Um, but that stance has softened so much over the years to now it's almost expected. Um, and again, I get the fans perspective, man, because I grew up, my dad was a high school coach 
and just uh, some of my best memories are sitting around on the couch on New Year's Day and watching bowl games with my dad. Um, so I get it. I understand the fans' perspective. But I would say this has become so lucrative over the years for these young men. Uh, I mean, it's, this is life-changing money. They've worked so hard. I, I don't know if fans fully appreciate the life of a, of a college athlete, a college football player, and what goes into that. You know, the early morning workouts and, and the study halls. And um, it is a freaking grind, man. So they work so hard for it. I always try to look at it, tell people, look at it through the lens if it was your son or your brother or your best friend. And if you would have watched all the sacrifice that it, it took for him to get there. Um, and then, you know, right now it's, it's play, play my 55th game for my university um, or, you know, get a chance to, like in our case, I'll just bring it back to our game, you know, or have a chance to go down to Mobile in front of 900 plus NFL people, including decision makers from all 32 teams that are going to ultimately decide the, re- the fate of the rest of my life um, in my career path. What am I going to do? Um, so, you know, if you get hurt in the bowl game and it's happened a bunch, um, we, we actually have a couple guys right now that we're waiting on the fence with that played in their bowl games and got hurt. And now they're trying to figure out, okay, can I rehab and get back to mobile in time? And if they don't, that's good. That's going to affect them. So I, I totally understand where the fans are coming from. Um, but this is, uh, you know, the opportunity to come to a game like this and showcase their talents in front of these guys that are, are going to be making the picks in April. That's just a really hard decision for these players. Yeah, I, I I have been telling people, anyone that wants to listen, I, I tell them it's way more important that a guy participates in the Senior Bowl week than playing in a bowl game, and it's not even close. Now the college football playoff, completely different discussion, right? Because right. I do think if a guy opts out of that, some people will take that as a red flag. Right, That's Gabe, that's the next step. We haven't had that yet, so – you know, that's going to be, it'll be interesting to see how the NFL reacts to that guy, because then you are playing for a a championship, right? And the NFL that all these guys are doing are drafting guys. They hope they can hoist the Lombardi trophy with one day. Like that's the goal for every guy. Like, can this guy help us win a Super Bowl? period? Um, So if you got a guy that, that opts out of the college football playoff and the chance to win a championship, that's, that might be met with a little more, uh, you know, a little more judgmental around the league, but, but we haven't gotten that point yet. Yeah, I'm I'm judging the shit out of a guy that does that. I'll tell you right now. I will tell you right now. But okay, I've got a I've got a question for you about Spencer Rattler, right? And he, he's he's headed to South Carolina, and everyone at Oklahoma appreciates what he did. Not I think the change of scenery is going to be good for him. But with what happened this year, like in the scouting community, what? the quarterback position you guys are constantly on top of it right what what does I mean what what does he have to do to kind of get back to the level of hype that he was at because this was a guy that a lot of people were talking about being possibly the first overall pick of this upcoming draft and now he's not he's clearly not that he's at a different school he's kind of starting over like how how is that whole situation viewed through a scout's lens yeah, Gabe, I, I don't want to get on a soapbox here at all, man, but I think uh, I think a real problem right now when it comes to the whole overall draft, NFL, college landscape and where they kind of intersect is just the amount of hype, man. Like, the, it, and again, I love the guys in the media. Um, I'm actually a part of the media now doing a lot of TV stuff I do. But yeah, you over, are. The overhyping of, of players, man, it's it's really dangerous, honestly. Like, not not to, like, 
we don't need to go down that rabbit hole, but these guys get propped up so much. If you just go back to this summer, you had Spencer Rattler was the number one pick. Emery Jones from Florida was, you know, people had him in the top 10 in the draft. You can go back just to June or July and Emery Jones was a top 10 pick in some of these mock drafts. Um, so it's, it's just, you know, we're putting the, the, putting the, the cart way before the horse when it comes to the draft. But when it comes to Spencer, uh, I don't know if he, you know, again, he wasn't senior bowl eligible. So I, I never took like a deep dive into Spencer's tape and tried to figure him out as a player. Um, but it's, it, to me, it's all of it seems way too premature. Like you, we get through the draft every year and then every media outlet is in a hurry to put out the, the not too early mock draft, you know? And, and again, the players read that stuff, their families read that stuff, agents read that stuff and then jump on those players. Um, so again, sorry to get sidetracked on that. Like that's just a, a problem I have with the whole process, but yeah, this is a chance for Spencer to, to kind of reset, you know, I don't know exactly what happened behind the scenes at Oklahoma. Uh, you know, I never watched the, uh, I've heard some things about how he came across on the TV show that he was on. I don't, I don't watch any of that stuff. I already didn't come across great on that show. So I think it's an opportunity for a young guy to step back, look himself in the mirror. Why didn't this work out? What could I have done better and really kind of rehab his image and, and, you know, get on the field and play better football and again, he has that opportunity. When you're in the NFL, I told all these guys when I worked in the league, when sitting down in interviews, like, just be honest with me about stuff you've done because there's not a, there's not a scout or coach in the NFL that hasn't done dumb things in their life. So we're not going to be overly critical. We just want to know that you've gotten through that and you've worked through it and you've matured. So let's talk about that. You know how, and that's, uh, you know, if Spencer is a 16, 17-year-old kid was on a TV show and didn't represent himself well, well, he just needs to be honest with the NFL teams about that and be a good leader at South Carolina moving forward and, and, you know, endear himself to his teammates and all those things. And he'll be fine. He'll be absolutely fine. I think it's a great opportunity for Spencer to, to kind of, you know, turn that page and, and really start anew for himself. All right. If you're a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing, head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones, Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Stilled Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcones Single Malt won the Best in Glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen. It became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners, they are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit BalconesDistilling.com. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution Based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. 
Visit ffb.com for more information. Yeah. All right. You look at the coaching staffs you've got this year at the Senior Bowl. Man, are you prepared for all the testosterone? I mean, you've got Robert Sala and his jet staff and then Dan Campbell and the Lions. I mean, there's going to be some energy during the week, man. That, that, that's that got to be a lot of fun for you. Yeah, it, it feels real once we announce the teams. It really does. Like, now we've got roster set. We've got coaches coming down. You know, Rob and I um, had lockers next to each other in Seattle when we worked at the Seahawks together. So I, I know Rob really well. We're both native Michiganders. Uh, and, and then Dan Campbell, um, what he did with that Lions football team, yeah, they didn't win a ton of games, but they did keep fighting. Uh, you know, my, my dad lives back in the, in the state of Michigan. He's a huge Lions fan, so he's seen everything when it comes to Detroit Lions football. And he said, he's like, you know, Jim, most years this team would have quit. And uh, they certainly didn't quit for Dan Campbell. So it's great for our week. You got two guys with a ton of juice on the practice field. Um, you know, I'm sure their coaching staffs are similar. It's good for TV. It's good for the NFL network. It's good for ESPN when they mic those guys up. Um, so, and most importantly, uh, for our players, our players are going to get better. I'm sure when you came down to mobile, you left the week feeling like you were a better football player because you got coached by some NFL guys. So, um, that's really what it's all about. And, uh, we're just excited. Those guys are going to be down Two two really energetic, young, young dudes coming down here to help our players out. Yeah. And it's, I, I continue to believe that it's a big advantage to coach in this game because it gives you, I mean, as close of a look as you can get at some of the best players in the draft. A lot of people are talking about this draft's quarterback class, and a lot of people are calling it weak. You've got six guys coming down to Mobile in Willis, Hal, Zappi, Pickett, Ritter, and Carson Strong. How do you view this quarterback class? Well, I, for our game, this might be the best senior bowl class we've ever had in terms of guys that have first round grades. I think that the, the guys, so Carson Strong, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, Malik Willis, um, Kenny Pickett, all five of those guys have first round grades with teams in the league right now. You know, I think last year's group kind of started the whole process in like the top 15. I think Mac Jones probably played himself up a little bit into that range. This group's probably starting more in the mid one to mid two to late two, somewhere in that range across the league. I don't think any of these guys, those five guys are outside the second round, but there's no order. You know, depending on what team you talk to, it is a, it is, you know, it's, it's a different stack every team you talk to. So that'll be awesome for our game. And it's awesome for the league. Like they get to see these guys down, you know, back to back to back reps. Um, and it'll help them form that stack moving towards April. So to me, it's, there's a ton of intrigue around this class and how it's going to shake out. And I don't want to leave out Bailey Zappi. Like, this dude is a really cool football player going from Houston Baptist last year, making the jump to Western Kentucky with his offensive coordinator. And all he does is break Joe Burrow's single-season passing yards and touchdowns record. So the dude threw, like, 70 touchdowns this year. So, you know, right now he's probably a third or fourth rounder. So really good class. I think all these guys could be off the board by the end of day two, which is uh, – I don't know if there's ever been a senior bowl class like that. Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting because the way that this quarterback class has talked about it, you you would think it's just absolute trash, and then you hear someone that like yourself that's talking to the teams and talking to the decision makers, and that's just not the case with with how they view those guys. That's well, I, I'll say this, Gabe, about a couple of those guys like Sam Howell and Malik Willis, um, supporting cast this year were not were not conducive to that for to them playing at a real high level. A lot was on them. I think the league learned a lot with jo the Justin Herbert misevaluation. 
is that, uh, you know, it brings you back. Quarterback is, a, is truly a dependent position. You got to have guys like you blocking up front and giving you time. You got to have playmakers to get the ball to. You look at Sam Howell in, in particular, loses Michael Carter, who's the starting running back for the Jets, loses Javante Williams, who's the starting uh, running back for the, for the Broncos, um, you know, loses two receivers that are playing in the National Football League. So those two guys are tough evals. It's a big week for those guys. They're, they're super talented. Um, did, the, did the season happen the way they probably would have wanted? No. Um, but those guys have first-round ability. Those guys have eventual starter talent. And if you got a guy that you think is going to be an eventual starter, most of those guys, most scouts put a first-round grade on that guy. Um, just because that the nature of that position, they do get pushed up a little bit. Um, so, again, it's going to be very interesting. But there's a reason why. Some in Carson Strong, too, on the West Coast, a lot of people don't watch Mountain West football. But this guy played with a, with a banged-up knee all season that he rushed back to get on the field to play on. You know, it was supposed to be a 10-month rehab. He got back in six just to play with his buddies. Um, and he was out there on one leg. And when he's healthy and you watch this dude throw the ball down the field, I mean, it is impressive. So um, I know what you're saying from kind of like the overall outside looking in. Uh, but I think the league thinks there's five guys. These five guys in particular could uh, could be eventual NFL starters. Tape is is clearly the most important thing. But with how, with how football has changed from a sports science perspective, how much do you guys factor that in? to the guys you invite to the game, uh, to how you evaluate this, these guys, like with all the GPS stuff, all that data that college football teams are collecting now, like how, how much of that stuff do you factor into your evaluation process? We, yeah, Gabe, we have to, and it's so, it's so critical. It's really helped us over the last few years because, uh, you know, Phil Savage, my predecessor, you know, he, he, one of the things he told me, he's like, Jim, your draft is in November. Like you don't have until April. You don't have the combine to, to see how fast these guys run. You don't have the combine to figure out what their medical looks like. You're, you're drafting your roster in, in November. So one of the challenges is that, like, how do these guys test, right? Uh, we have a great partner, a group called Tracking Football. That It's a huge database of all these guys that ran track in high school with verified high school track times, which, which really helps. And then a lot of these teams are, are being able to provide GPS data from practice. And you bring it back to Isaiah Thomas. Uh, you know, talking to a couple teams that had Isaiah's his, his GPS stuff. I mean, he was running four fives on the practice, you know, on the practice and game field at Oklahoma at, at whatever, how big Isaiah is, 6'4", 265 pounds, whatever, whatever Isaiah is. So uh, it's a big man that's moving. And that was a separator for us. Like Isaiah was clumped in with a couple other guys and we got their GPS stuff from their schools and it was a little lower. So that that really helped us. You know, when you're trying to decide between one or two players and they're, they're in a grouping on the board, that stuff helps a ton. Okay, last one for you. And some of these vacancies, I'm sure, will have been filled but between the time that we record this and the time that we, we put this on the podcast. What's the best opening in the NFL right now? Best head coach opening? Ooh. Gosh, you put me on the spot. I honestly, there's like six of them right now, man. There's, there's so many of them and I'm so locked into senior bowl mode right now. I had a, a local radio guy ask me about the, uh, he's like, well, what's your, what's your top playoff game for the weekend? I said, I don't even, I honestly don't even know who's playing against each other. In the <laughs> I NFL love playoffs that right now. So in terms of these jobs, I, I don't know, man. I mean, there, there's some intriguing ones. I mean, you got Miami rattled off eight out of nine wins in Miami. I think Brian Flores did a tremendous job with that football team but they've got some good young players there. You've got, you know, a lot of people like Justin Fields in Chicago and what he might, what he might be. So you've got a young quarterback in place. 
Um, I think, I think uh, the Denver Broncos, that's a loaded football team right now. I mean, they got a lot of young talent. Um, so, so no, there's a number of them. Um, but the key is for all these teams is marrying up that GM with the head coach. I mean, that is the most critical relationship on any staff in any organization. So I hope those teams get that part right, because it might look attractive to a head coach going into it. But if you don't have the GM in place that you can work with, it's, it's not going to go well. So you can look at the roster all you want. If that, if, if that relationship doesn't work, it, it doesn't matter. Well, Jim, can't wait to watch every second of the practices. Uh, it's one of my favorite weeks of the year. Yeah, I can't wait for the game on February 5th. You guys are doing an, just such a good job of, of bringing that. the Senior Bowl exposure. Man, it's, it, it's so much better than even when I played in it. Uh, keep up the good work, man, and thanks for the time. Thank you, Gabe. I appreciate it, man. Man, it's it's a nerve-wracking experience, but I'm excited for all those guys to get their opportunity. Yep. Well, hey, um, good football players do good things at the Senior Bowl whenever you can kind of adapt, uh, grab new concepts, a new new offense or defense and roll with it and, and thrive in that environment. But the key, you got to win one-on-ones, baby. That's what it's all about. Yeah. All right, let's finish up with the quick winners and losers of the weekend. But first... Do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk, Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Guys, winners here, and you know what that means. It's hard seltzer season. And there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop Aleworks. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it in the hot tub, by the fire, at the tailgate, at the tool concert, at the AFC Championship game. Yeah. And you can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors like Cherry Limeade, Ocean Water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery, convenience, and liquor stores. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend? I know we're not talking about these games in depth, but the 49ers, it looks like Trent Williams, Debo Samuel are going to be good to go, going to be healthy, ready to fly around out there. And that's the big key. If you don't have those two guys healthy, in my opinion, you don't have much of a football game. So it looks like they're going to be out there ready to roll. And as you know, Gabe, 
injuries tend to feel a little bit better whenever it's warm and you're in a dome, not whenever it's zero degrees in Green Bay. That ankle can hurt a little bit more whenever it's cold outside. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bold strategy going with the winner of the weekend that the game, like, we have no idea what has happened. That was it. What are you doing? I'm just explain yourself. They're the winner because these guys are playing. I'm not saying they're going to win. I'm not saying I'm just saying like you wouldn't even have a game, in my opinion, if these these two guys are are hobbled. You're going to look really dumb when the Rams win by like two touchdowns. People are going to be like they're going to listen to this Monday morning. Be like, what the hell is Teddy's deal? Well, here's the thing. I look dumb often. So it's not that big of a deal. You know, it's just to me, water off a duck's back, Gabe. There you go. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the weekend? Oh, I had to go with Big 12 hoops. Um, we did get some wins, but like the the pivotal games, the big games that everyone was watching, uh, did not do so well. I was shocked that that Baylor couldn't pull the win off. Um, Oklahoma. They had a couple of moments where they tried to make a run. Auburn, just too big, too athletic. And again, our offense, it's like it's such a grind to get a bucket at times. And on the other side, whenever you can run the floor and you're as athletic as Auburn, they would just little pick and roll, throw a lob, easy dunk. And, uh, you know, we're right back on the grind ourselves. So it was tough. Um would have been nice for the Big 12 to win some of those bigger games. And, and you know, it ended up being what? It was like six to four, something like that, I think. But if we would have won those bigger games, it, it keeps the impression that the Big 12 is the best conference in college basketball, which I think is going to help, would help more if we would have done uh, better in this matchup to get some of those teams that are on the bubble into the tournament. If you keep that conference, uh, you know, the strength, the perception of strength nationally, I think it would help you get in. Yeah. The, uh, the bottom line is the marquee games, right. Did not go well, right. But you, you talk about the marquee teams for the big 12, man, I cannot remember Kansas getting their ass kicked like that in like Allen field house, right nuts i mean they kentucky came in there and just smacked them around oscar shibway was great keon brooks was great for kentucky and that game was over quick and kansas just i mean there was like a little glimmer of hope early in the second half but kentucky just i mean they they whooped them and then baylor they didn't have lj crier in that game and that foot situation does not sound good for him but for for a team that a lot of people consider a national championship contender, like one of the five or six teams that can actually win it, to go on the road and lose to that Bama team, that's not a good look. OU losing to Auburn, okay, it is what it is. It's clear that Auburn way more talented than Oklahoma. You, you mentioned it. Like Auburn just had guys that could create their own shot. Right, Jabari Smith, he's going to be a top two or three draft pick in the NBA draft, but – the, the annoying part about that game was the hustle plays like the Cambridge kid from Auburn was out hustling like that. That was the part that bothered me, especially late in that game. It was a three point game with 12 minutes to go. Yep. And they lost by 20. I mean, it's yep. just 
but they made a run. They, I think they were down 15 or so, and they reeled it back into like seven or eight with a decent little run. It's like, okay, here we go. And then Auburn blew that open really quickly. And, uh, you know, we're just – it's hard for us to play from behind against athletic teams like that. It's just so difficult to generate offense. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with Bruce Pearl. Uh, we mentioned it. Uh, Auburn takes care of the Sooners there at home. Also got him a lifetime contract. $5.4 million a year with a $250,000 annual escalator through 2030. If you're doing the math at home, that is $50.2 million for Bruce Pearl to coach basketball at Auburn. That's awesome. Whoa. That's some big-time money right there. That crowd? Uh, that he, was... He, that He's was worth it to him. now. Yeah. They, I mean, they that got it rolling, big. but my winner of the weekend, Daniel Jones. I mean, the, the New York Giants, they go out, they hire Brian Dayball as their new head coach, and he, he's been the offense coordinator there in Buffalo. Remember, the Giants just hired Joe Shane as their new general manager who was in the front office at Buffalo. So you got some continuity, some familiarity there between Dayball and Shane, and you – if you're Daniel Jones, like it, yeah, it hasn't gone well the first couple of years of your career. It hasn't gone well, but the reason he's my winner of the weekend, like this sets him up for success. Like now, if, if he just doesn't have it, then he just doesn't have it. Right. But now the, the revolving door of coordinators and coaches, like you, you've got an offensive guy that is going to put you in a position to succeed. Right. We just all saw what Dayball has done with Josh Allen in Buffalo over the last couple of seasons. And, and I'm not saying Daniel Jones is Josh Allen. He's not, but they have similar traits. He, he's got some athleticism, right? There's no doubt. Like he was a very high draft pick. So I, I just think this, this has got to be a breath of fresh air for Daniel Jones. He's got to look at this hire and go, hell yeah. This, I, I think this was the only offensive guy they were interviewing, like all the other candidates they were interviewing. We're defensive guys, so the the Bills had top five offenses the last two years. The Giants' offense sucked this season and had a lot to do with the injuries. I understand that, but if you're Daniel Jones, like who had a better weekend than Daniel Jones? Like he's looking at this, going, "Hell yeah, I am. I, I'm going to be that guy. He's gonna he's gonna make me a big time NFL quarterback. Well, we'll see what happens, but I mean, he's in a good spot. Yeah. I mean, if you can do it at Buffalo, you can do it uh, with the G-men. There's no doubt. Uh, it's got to be – I don't know if Daniel Jones views it this way, but I know the fan base there views it this way. This is going to be his last opportunity there, right? And it's – it's you'll get, you'll get a couple of years there, and if you don't have it, I think it's going to be apparent. And um, I think it's great, though. I think – like I said, I think they share some similar traits. He's got a big arm. Uh, he is a way better runner than than maybe he gets credit for. Not that you want him to live on that, but um, he's got some athleticism. They've got to have a good draft. They've got to, you know, that's the one thing about Buffalo is they did a good job at finding some really good offensive talent and building it around Josh Allen there. It's not just all system. They brought in some really good players that, Frankly, um, 
you know, didn't have a whole heck of a lot of had had success at other places, but weren't really happy. And somehow they've made those guys happy in in Buffalo. So a mix of free agency and drafting was was really key to Buffalo. And that's going to be the same thing in New York. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens with Daniel Jones, but he's he's got to be very happy with this hire. All right. For my loser of the weekend, I thought about going with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And it's it's not because they lost to the Pacers. I mean, that is what it is at this point. But Shea Gilgis Alexander goes out with the rolled ankle. Thunder come out and say it's going to be several weeks before we see SGA out on the court again. Damn it, man. Like he he had become so fun to watch. And I I guess we'll see what a Josh Giddy led Thunder team gets looks like with with Shea on the shelf for a while. But man. They can lose, but like I want to watch Shea, Shea Gilgis Alexander play. I know it. Is this the? Oh no, he rolled it bad and like yeah. looked off bat. Like this wasn't like, oh hey, you know, Shea, take your time. This it, it didn't look great. Uh, but I'm asking, is it going to turn into that? Is it going to turn into the ankle injury where they basically put him on the shelf and been like, okay, that was fun, not again this year. Well, they're losing plenty. I mean, it's, <laughs> right. it's so I, I don't know, but it just, you, you will want not that be guy out back, there playing uh, by any means. I mean, he was playing at an all-star caliber level and it just, I just don't want, I, you don't want that guy hurt. You know, like you, I, I know they're losing games, but you want to build in chemistry and you want Giddy and, and SGA and Dorton, like all these guys playing minutes and developing chemistry for the future, even if they are losing games. So I don't know. It just made me sad, but uh, my loser of the weekend, it's gotta be Adam Schefter. What? This episode is brought to you by Shopify, whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the, we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. What was that? I mean, tweets that Tom Brady is retiring. But then Tom Brady says Tom Brady isn't retiring. Calls the buck, says, hey, I'm not even close to making a decision yet. His dad comes out and's like, Tommy, Tommy hasn't made that decision yet. I mean, what the hell, Schefter? ES- ESPN just kept running with it all day, even after Brady, the Brady camp had said, no, that's not true. They had it on the ticker. They talked about it during halftime of all the college basketball games. Like, what? what's, what's going on? I don't know. It was funny whenever I read the rundown because I was still operating under the impression that that was like a confirmed thing. I, I, had, never, I had just seen like the breaking news or, or whatever. I hadn't actually like listened to anything. So it's funny whenever I read that, I was like, oh, well, yeah, that's, that's kind of interesting. They're still running with it. It's still all over ESPN's website. They haven't backtracked on that at all, which, you know, it probably tells me that he has to feel really, really good about whoever told him that. And, for them to t- continue to run with it, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And maybe he's retiring, just not now. I, I saw this from uh, from Spotrack. 
turns out $15 million of Tom Brady's $20 million signing bonus from last March is set to be paid out on February 4th. So yeah, he's not announcing anything until that, uh, that old direct deposit hits. Uh, yeah, well, the the official announcement comes February fifth. I'm guessing, right? That's, yeah, uh, and I, that's and the Bucks will be happy too. to play pay it. They'll be like, hey man, you want us the Super Bowl? Yeah, here's your money. But I isn't this, that awesome? That's a nice little parting gift, isn't it? Yeah. Dang. Imagine getting fifteen million dollars and not being like that excited about it, like because of how much money Tom Brady has made playing it's football like and, and in endorsements. It's crazy, man. He just like it hits the it hits the account. He's like, oh, I mean, that's cool. Hey, uh, Giselle, was that fifteen million? Was that my fifteen million for like my payout, or was that yours for your photo shoot you did last week? Like, <laughs> whose is that? Have they both come in? Oh, uh, and on that note, episode one eighty five in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Thursday morning. Just a reminder. You can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other. Another night.